I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander and today's phenomenal episode. I got to have my friend, Dr. Anthony Gustin on the show. We've been threatening to do this for a while now and we finally made it happen. So uh, I'm really grateful that we can make some time. He came out and visited my home here in Santa Monica and uh, we got into some, some good stuff. Anthony is a doctor of chiropractic, functional medicine doc, polymath. He's a wizard when it comes to all sorts of interesting wormhole subjects and uh, business owner of multiple different successful businesses in this world of health and wellness. So this guy is a true wealth of knowledge and I'm super grateful to get to share some of his noggin with us here on the Align podcast. Uh, in this conversation, we get into some of the defense mechanisms that plants have that we might not be thinking about. We get into all the ins and outs of ketosis, which is this random subject that all of a sudden has become super popular this in the last couple few years. And uh, he's, uh, I'd say he's a master of the subject. So we really get into there with that and all sorts of stuff. We get into the, the art of learning. Really excellent conversation. I hope you guys enjoy. Here is a little clip. Knowledge is like a tree. Right. And so you need a good base of knowledge so you can start hanging branches and then leaves and get very specific and details. Right. Well, most people do these days, they read a headline, which is a leaf, right? They try to put that up and it just falls to the ground because there's nothing to attach it to. Thank you so much for tuning in to the website, aligntherapy.com. If you feel drawn on there, you will get the show notes for this of any notable individuals or YouTube videos or anything that we mentioned that'll all be back there. And uh, you can start the five day movement challenge. Start integrating optimal movement practices into everything that you do. Every moment we are training, we are exercising, we are building our physical structures and our minds and uh, full intention and education. We can do a, a darn good job. I got a quote. This quote comes from Vicky Corona. I don't know who the heck that is, but I uh, got out of my little journal thing here and goes like this. Remember that life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. Bam, Vicky Corona, nailing it. If you guys know who the heck Vicky Corona is, let me know on Instagram, at Align Podcast, and uh, break it down. I like your quotes. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I so greatly appreciate your support, sharing this thing with your with your friends, and uh, if you think it's helpful, share it around, spread the love. Uh, here we go. Back to the shizzy with Dr. Anthony Gustin. Podcast. Nothing ever starts, nothing ever stops in this production. I just record, and then uh, the way that I do mine is I release wherever it seems like it would be interesting to listen. Hmm. So if neither of us say uh, anything of any you just don't post it. value, then I just don't <laughs> fucking post it. <laughs> Keep it off the internet. That's pretty much the way yeah. it goes. Um, I, uh, but you're such a valuable motherfucker. This one, this one will have to get posted real yeah, quick. It's all lies. It's, it's all, all lies. All lies. It's all bullshit. How are we going to do this? I don't know. What do you think? What's, what's your preference? Let's roll with it. Well, see what happens. Well, <laughs> 
I think we should figure it out a little bit. Before. <laughs> let's, let's just roll. Roll it. Yeah. So I'd like to actually pick your brain on ketosis. Yeah, do it. What is ketosis in the first place, Mr. Doctor, rather? It's Mr. Doctor. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> I'm a fake doctor. Anyway, he was so a fake doctor. Yeah, Mr. Doctor works, yeah. works really well. Can we, can we break into that a little bit? Because I think there's a lot of, there's some contentiousness there as well. A lot of people are attached to it becoming... Do we just, is the optimal thing to be in ketosis 100% of the time? Would it make more sense for it to be more of like something that happens in the winter time? So it's cyclical. Right. And, and you have sense the, on that? Yeah. I think in nutrition, it's so, it can be so dogmatic that people will either say it has to be 0% this or 100% this. And in life with many things, I think that there's always a gray area in between where it can be used sometimes for specific goals and for specific tools, but it's not a panacea for everything in my opinion. It's like, I think it's very effective for a lot of different things. Do I think everybody must do it hundred percent of the time, no matter what? No, like that's not how I approach it or, or approach nutrition for myself. And that's not what I would ever expect from somebody else. Mm. But I mean, to break it down what it is, it's just your body being able to use fat as a fuel instead of carbohydrate as a fuel. And so your body primarily uses whatever you eat as a fuel source. And so if you're eating a lot of carbohydrate, it will use a breakdown of that. If you're eating a lot of fat, it will use a breakdown of fat. And so there are certain advantages for some people to work on fat as a fuel instead of carbohydrate as a fuel. So if you look at like our history as a whole as humans, there was, you know, 98% of it was on fat as a fuel, not carbohydrate. And so you look at like how our bodies are actually made to work on fuel. Just looking at how we store fuel as a human, we have about 1,500 to 2,000 calories worth of stored carbohydrate in our body. That's why we need to eat so much when we're eating carbohydrates. That's why people get so hungry all the time. But even like a super lean male like you, maybe I have a little bit more, but... <laughs> Uh, has like 150,000, 200,000 calories of stored fat. We're probably about the same body fat. Come on. Uh, maybe. maybe a little. I store most of mine in my cock. At least 100,000 calories there. <laughs> and then the rest about 150,000 calories. It's like stored fuel is just looking at from what we can store as a human. Like we have a lot of backup reserves of fat. Why, why aren't we using that as a fuel source? Right. And so... I mean, there's a lot of metabolic advantages to that. Um, it, it requires less oxygen or produces less inflammation, less reactive oxygen species that can damage cells. Um, you don't need to eat as much. And so if you're looking at, for instance, if you have carbohydrate and ketones in your bloodstream at the same time, your brain and your heart will preferentially take up ketones <laughs> because they're energetically favorable. So yeah, this is something that I think people try to get, like you said, very dogmatic about nutrition and say, like, this is hundred percent the way you should go, or you, you sh no one should ever do it for any reason. Like this is, this is hundred percent. Yeah. So like there's these contradictions in life where like, usually when people say all or nothing, the answer is probably somewhere in between. Right. That's yeah. how I feel about most things. Do you think it's necessary to measure it? And if so, I have one of those uh, breath acetone measure doohickeys you probably noticed yeah. over there um, versus doing like the, the blood strips. Is there? I think it's helpful for somebody who's never done it before to measure it when they're starting to do it. So most, most humans now in a modern age have never gone through a period of maybe 24 hours in their life without carbohydrates. Hmm. And so it can be very challenging and very stressful for the body. And just people don't know what to expect from a ketogenic state, how they're going to feel. They don't know the transition. It's like something that's just completely alien to them. So I think when first transitioning into ketosis and learning what kicks your body in or out of it 
is very valuable to measure at that point. And then once you get that nailed down, you, you kind of have a feeling of, of what that's like and how you feel in ketosis. You know, I, for instance, can eat only about like 80 to 100 grams of protein a day when I'm in a ketogenic state, otherwise I get kicked out. And so for somebody else, that might be 150 grams. And so testing those variables on yourself to figure out what works for you as an individual, I think that's important. But after that fact, I don't think it's important to measure. What is uh, tangibly, what does being kicked out feel like other than just seeing on a strip that you've been yeah. kicked out? So for me, it's I'm hungrier more often. And if I'm in between eating carbohydrate and fat for fuel, like, so if, you, if I eat really, really low carb, but get kicked out of ketosis, my energy will be just a roller coaster. And so after meals, I'll be super lethargic hmm. if I'm not eating having a primary fuel source then your body's like okay you're not giving me fat for fuel and you're expecting me to use carbohydrate but you're not giving me carbohydrate either so it's like what the hell is going on here and so you get these huge energy crashes so that that's to me how it feels like i feel mentally foggy a little bit compared to if i'm in full ketosis just mentally sharp all day long yeah and in taking exogenous ketones on top of a non-ketogenic diet is there any type of potential deleterious impact on that? Is that confusing for the body at all? Right. And so this is again, where people I think are like an all or nothing approach. I, and, and there's a lot of talk about like, Oh, it's so dangerous because your body is not used to doing this. Well, in fact, like your body takes from food and breaks down food in whatever you get, it uses ketones. And so like you're never all or nothing. It's not like your body's only burning carbohydrates or only burning ketones. You always have a blended system for energy metabolism. And so it's just like, to what degree? Your body has to get rid of carbohydrates when you when you eat it by raising insulin and through other pathways, but storing it somewhere. It can't just easily excrete it, but it can do that if it's not using ketones. So like, let's say you take an exogenous ketone, your brain takes some up, your heart takes some up, maybe some of your muscle tissues take some up, but you're also eating carbohydrates, which are probably preferred for different areas of your body, like liver and for your muscles and stuff like that. If it has more that it's not using, you'll just pee it out, mm. right? And so it's not like it's going to just run around like a bull uh, in a china shop just destroying everything, like you can just pee it out. Just like if you take too many B vitamins, like a water-soluble vitamin, like you can see in the toilet when you take a piss, like it all goes in the toilet, like because it's, it's very, very like yellow or orange, right. the same thing. It's like you will just pee it out if you don't use it. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's no downside to it. And there's like, there's a lot of upside that they've shown with research coming out soon and stuff that's been re recently published that even if in a carbohydrate state, high carbohydrates, you take in exogenous ketones, even if you're not using it for energy, it can act as a signaling molecule to tell your body to do different things. Like for instance, if you eat carbohydrates and take exogenous ketones, they've shown that it targets cancer cells and starts taking out some of the mitochondria that are really faulty in a cancer cell. Um, it decreases anxiety, it decreases depression, it decreases inflammation. So like all these things independent of being an energy source, it's also doing, which I find pretty Rad. What turned you on to all this stuff in the first place? I use a ketogenic diet myself when I was an undergrad to lose some weight. And so I was trying to get shredded for the summer. Are you calling it a ketogenic diet? No, no, no. So this is a kind of a funny story. Me and my friend who is a super crazy, like way smarter than I am with um, physiology and biochemistry. We're like, hmm, knowing what we know about like how fat loss works, what would be the best diet to like liberate fat from fat cells and to use that as a fuel? And so like we basically just like literally looked through our biochemistry notebooks and our like textbooks. And we're like, hmm, okay, if this works this way and like beta oxidation works for like lipolysis is breaking down these things, like, you know, what stops that? We're like, okay, glucose stops that. Okay, what, what where is glucose in our diet? And it's from carbohydrates. And so we just removed all the carbohydrates hmm. and it worked. So 
it's like we didn't discover ketosis or a low carb diet, but it was like kind of first principles thinking for us of like, what do we want right now? Like out of like what motivates us? What what are our goals? And instead of like listening to status quo, which didn't really get me where I wanted to be in life. I wanted to break that down and be like, okay, well, let's just figure it out. Like, what is the actual science say? Like, how can we build this up from, from our own principles instead of listening to, you know, what diet experts were saying at the time? Yeah. And before that, you were having a pretty, physiologically, you were having a pretty rough go in your body. Yeah. Was, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, been a, it's been a journey. What's that's, that? Yeah. It's what's like, that's, that's a lot of my motivation now as far as helping people is... I struggle with nutrition and kind of like self image issues and you know, weights and like a, a lot of extra weight when I was younger and that was just due to lack of education. So I grew up in the Midwest and it's not like my, my parents were like consciously feeding me really awful food. It's just like, there, there's just no education about food that like food access there is awful. Even now when I go back home, I'm like, where the hell do we get groceries here? Every Thursday, I think Thursday, Tuesday, McDonald's did like 29 cent and 39 cent hamburgers and cheeseburgers. Yeah. So we'd go and buy like nine hamburgers. It was like the best day of the week. Yeah. I uh, got uh, my education. That's where I come from, boy. My, mine was <laughs> the 20 piece chicken nuggets. God, they're so good. With the honey mustard yeah. and the barbecue sauce barbecue and do the hybrid. Yeah. I can't believe that, man. I'd be like nine years old and just smashing a 20 oh, piece. Crush them all the time. Yeah. I felt like, a, like a, an expression of masculinity to me that I can handle that shit. Yeah. Actually, that's funny. What a bad decision. Like, yeah. When, whenever I was um, like when I was younger and we would go to dinner with like my, my family, my parents would always like, they would want me to order from the kids menu when I, when I was, it was an appropriate right. size for me. Ready for the I was like, no, I want, I want the real, I want the, the big boy stuff. Like I, I want, I'm, I'm trying to be a man and like, it did not work out. Right? Yeah, so good. yeah. So I weighed the size of a man when I was like 12. So that, that was not good. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> um, and then have been, I think I'm lighter now than I was in like fifth grade. So, I mean, that was obviously a huge shift. Jesus. So it's been like just peeling back. And like, this is the thing too. Like there was a lot of, I would say physical, verbal abuse that I got from people that were close to me and people at school. Like, I, you know, I remember take, doing like shirt skins in like basketball like fifth, sixth grade and just being completely ashamed and didn't have a girlfriend. I was like, I need to, I wouldn't say get laid at that time. Maybe, maybe I was thinking about it as an eventual thing. You, like, you were thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I was yeah, thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how do I get sick? So I started playing guitar. I was like, okay, that, that, that got me some of the way there. But I'm like, okay, I need to work on this, this physical thing, right? So, that, I mean, didn't want to get made fun of. Wanted to be better at sports. Um, just like wanted to change my life for a, in a positive direction. And the same thing there. I was like, I didn't know where to start. And so I just started reading about nutrition, about science like eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade and put together what I thought was like a healthy plan from, you know, reading magazines, reading books, reading on my dial up internet, um, things like that and pulled together what was like at the time, low fat, high carb, whole wheat, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I started packing my own lunches and like bringing like whole wheat sandwiches with turkey and like low fat mayo to school. And like that worked really well for me to actually shed a lot of the weight, um, that I had been carrying, but I still had tons of inflammation. Like I had crazy amount of acne and just like, didn't like was not healthy, but wasn't super overweight. So like it, it worked for me to shed those pounds. And I mean, obviously like growing up too, like it, it probably helped for my metabolism just to speed up a little bit. Uh, but it wasn't until I started in undergrad, then figuring out like, okay, this still isn't working for me. Like what's going on? Um, learning more like, again, it, it's come more so from like challenging authorities and be like, shit, you're telling me doesn't make any sense. And so that happened in undergrad and in, um, 
in elementary and high school and everything like that. So I never really liked hearing professors tell me stuff that was like research from the fifties or the forties or the twenties, like right. how nutrition is like what happens if there's research that's done and then it takes, you know, 17 years. Yeah. Uh, Have you heard that before? Yeah. yeah. I would say it's probably like, I would estimate longer than that. Yeah. If, if I were to like actually see what people have been telling me, maybe that's on the high end, but for it to be implemented and be taught, it's, it's just so, so awful. Like, it's like light coming down from space when the light actually contacts your skin. You're like, cool. I feel it. It's right here. It's present. It's like, no, 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 dude. That light's from thousands of light years away. Well, the, 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 what is it? The sun's like eight minutes. Eight I don't minutes know. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll take like, that. The I'll energy that actually hits the surface of the sun that comes to you was like hydrogen fusion in the middle of the sun, 10,000 years, I guess like the energy you feel on your skin from the sun is actually like 10,000 years old. Mm, not to mention it bends and refracts around other planets. Like the interpretation of what we get, like every, all the information that we're getting, even from like a, you know, quantum physics perspective, which I don't know anything about. Um, it's all whispered down the lane, right? We're just seeing space dust. Oh yeah. Static. It gets misinterpreted a thousand times over and then boom, there you go. Men's health article. <laughs> Wheat bread. Let's get in. Uh, Do you know anything about uh, Gundry? Stephen Gundry, no, Plant Paradox? Oh, dude. Oh, we got to link you up with, with Gundry. I've, I've heard of it. Okay. Yeah. He's very interesting. Um, he One of the things that he broke down for me that you're probably already savvy with is uh, that we've actually been duped with the whole whole wheat thing as well. Oh, yeah. Big time. Isn't that crazy? Well, I mean, just look at what, the, what a plant is. A plant, uh, like every living thing wants to spread its genes, right? And so if it's being attacked, like plants don't have legs. So they needed to come up with a defense mechanism. And so that was the outer shell of, for instance, wheat, right? Or other seeds, grains, things like that. Like look at a walnut, for example, it has a huge hard shell. So it can be planted and turned into a big tree and grow. And so the same thing with wheat is that it's, it's, it has all this stuff on the outside so that if a, if a bird or something like that eats it, it will poop it out and it will plant something and it will grow into a new plant. So it wants to spread its DNA and like reproduce. It can't run away from something, so it, it builds out its defense mechanism. But we think it's awesome so we, that we're so smart and, and have all these tools that we grind it all up and eat it all. So we're like we're eating the defense mechanism. Right. So that defense mechanism goes, okay, we're supposed to protect this this inner part of the stuff. So, I mean, and that's where it causes all these gut problems and like all these anti-nutrients and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, that, that's why like white rice, for instance, is less offensive than brown rice. Cause like, we're pulling away that and just giving the, the people the, the starch. Yeah. I'm not saying like white flour is better than whole wheat flour, but it's another thing where it's What's like, the difference with white flour and whole wheat flour and pull a little noodle closer to your yeah, face. Yeah. I think so that people. is, they, a lot of the times they just bleach that and then put a lot of, and keep a lot of the gluten intact so it's good for baking and stuff like that it's like there's a whole host of other proteins and things like that in wheat that are still there if it's white but white rice versus brown rice is you're essentially just getting the pure starch and so there's no other defense mechanism so to speak that is left over from that what do you foresee? I feel like right now people are, you know, bacon is the new black or whatever. And like, there's a lot of people that are really hot and bothered about fat, you know, and I kind of wonder, it's like, well, can you eat too much fat? I ask a lot of smart people about that and I haven't really gotten like a good answer for it. Do you got any kind of answer? You're one of the smart people in that world. Yeah. So one of the things that I don't think people are realizing is that you should not eat fat with carbohydrates ever. Right. And so this is what people are doing. It's like most meals that are high in fat are high in carbohydrate. And so what can happen is that carbohydrates in general, eating it into a, a higher degree can be very inflammatory. 
um, much less so if, they, if you have fat. So if you have like a good gut lining, so your gut lining should be these things, you have these things called gap junctions in your gut that let food in when it should be in and keep it out when it should be out, right? If you have like a damaged or leaky gut, more stuff gets in than out, right? However, when it's, it's you have a super good gut integrity, less stuff gets in and so it's not a big deal. But when you eat a lot of especially saturated fat with carbohydrates, the saturated fat makes this thing called a chylomicron that goes around the carbohydrate and pulls it into your bloodstream as like a very easy way to get across. And so it's like a bouncer that sneaks in carbohydrates mm. through the back door of your gut, mm. which then floats around your bloodstream, just caught like wreaking havoc. And so when completely apart, so like this is where people can maybe interpret some studies saying that saturated fat is bad for you. However, what happens is like saturated fat is just bringing the carbohydrate in that causes the inflammation. Not that saturated fat in and of itself is bad. Like fat can be very bad. Like fat quality is very important, but the thing with like saturated fat in and of itself is not bad, but bringing over carbohydrate in a very inflammatory, very inflammatory state is just is the worst possible thing. So like that's one of the things that if I am in ketosis, I'm gonna be eating only fat, and if I, and then if I'm out, I'm gonna be eating like only carbohydrates and lean proteins. And so I'm trying to keep fat and carbohydrate pretty far apart with being protein as this intermediary that can be with either of the meals. Is there any differentiation between carbohydrates or is a carbohydrate a carbohydrate a carbohydrate? I see, well, of course, the more processed it is, the the um, the worse it's gonna be. So it's, I, I consider it kind of a uh, wide spectrum. And so for instance, if you have a sweet potato, it's not gonna be the same thing as eating a Starburst, right? Right. And so you have a lot of things like you're getting a lot more with it. The carbohydrate molecule, yes, is going to be broken down to glucose the same or sometimes you have fructose you know so there's different types of what you call uh, monosaccharides that make a polysaccharide and polysaccharide is just a carb so saccharide is just sh uh, sugar and then it, we're just looking at different chains of this stuff so like proteins are made up of different building blocks or carbohydrates they're not as many they work roughly the same so fructose is going to be metabolized a little bit different than glucose but so carbohydrates are generally break down in the same building blocks but when you eat a sweet potato, you get a bunch of fiber, which is good for your gut bacteria. You get a bunch of uh, micronutrients and it slows that digestion down. However, what they're starting to notice is like, even if you have, let's say an effective 20 grams of carbs from a sweet potato versus 20 grams of carbs from fruit juice, for, for instance, the fruit juice will digest super quickly and have this huge spike in insulin and blood sugar. And the um, sweet potato will be kind of this longer rounded curve, right? And so you're looking at, this is what they call like the glucose index. Like how much is it spiking your blood glucose? However, what they're finding is that it doesn't really matter. The area under the curve is what matters and it's above the same either way. Hmm. But you're going to get better stuff with a sweet potato than you are with the fruit juice, obviously. You're going to get way more nutrients. You're going to get the fiber. So like you're getting better stuff with it. So it's a healthier food choice overall. And I'm not saying like carbohydrates are bad. But like when you have these like empty carbohydrates, like a soda or something like that, obviously when it's just pure carbohydrate that spikes your blood sugar, no good. Like, But when you're eating it with all these other nutrients and things that can help process the food in a different manner, that's fun. That's like helps balance it out. But the area under the curve of like the actual impact to your blood sugar doesn't really change. It doesn't change the effect. Uh, how do you assimilate all this information? You're like pretty encyclopedic, man. <laughs> what's your, what's your practice with, yeah, with, with, with gathering this information? Well, I make most of it up on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> 
like you could do that with me. That's the convenient yeah. thing about this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> lie, lie to me. You just, I think, just pulling threads, man, and like so, building a tree trunk of knowledge. I think is the the most important thing that most people right now what they do and they learn is if you imagine like knowledge is a and I'm stealing this from Tim Urban. I don't know if you know this guy is way, but why? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, you dig his stuff. It's like super intense, like long form, like book size blog posts about very specific topics. Cool. But again, this is a complete steal in his idea, but knowledge is like a tree, right? And so you need a good base of knowledge. So you can start hanging branches and then leaves and get very specific in details. Right. But what most people do these days, they read a headline, which is a leaf, right? They try to put that up and it just falls to the ground because there's nothing to attach it to. Hmm. And so that's why for me, I always like, I go back to the basics a lot. And so whenever I start getting confused, like there's too much information, I'll go read like a basic biochemistry textbook or just like a basic physiology textbook or like basic biology stuff. And so, I mean, the same thing with you probably with movement, like basic anatomy tells you a lot about if a movement is good or bad for you. And like you, you can get in these very specific rabbit holes all day long, but like, unless you know anatomy and like insertion points and, and actions of muscles and like how your body's supposed to be moving, it doesn't really matter. And then also that reinforms every time you go back to the basics, right. you know, it's like you never read the same book twice, mm-hmm. you know, you never put your hand in the same river twice. It's like every time you get in there, it's a totally different reality. Right. So as you horizontally start to expand your thinking, when you come back to that vertical post, you're like, Oh yeah, it's, different yeah i'm just usually a constant reminder that i don't know shit <laughs> like i always feel like you forget even these small things of the basics when you go back like oh that's right like this works like that like duh yeah and so i think like always you know st- stop trying to push the edges all the time and then sometimes coming back and like trying to build that trunk stronger i think is what served me well for like just learning more about nutrition in a way that reduces from me internally the confusion i mean it's one of these things like the more you the more you know the less you know right? mm-hmm. it's like the more you learn it's like you just feel like you're there's too much to learn yeah anytime i feel like that i just pull it back and then think about like, okay what's basic biology say what's basic biochemistry what's basic physiology and then go back up from there you have seven businesses. Is that what you call it? Is that yeah. what, so that's that's. What are those businesses? What are, can you just list off with those guys? Are there any like secret ones? Out yeah. There? So there are some that are under wraps, but <laughs> uh, the, the main one that that I'm operating right now is uh, Perfect Keto. So that's helping people with getting into and maintaining a ketogenic diet. Um, another one is Equip Foods. So that's another product company where we do whole food based products. Another one would be Momental, which is nootropics. One would be uh, Movement Providers, which is a website where I set up where so I was trained as a chiropractor and was doing that sports medicine and functional medicine for a while in San Francisco. And when I was leaving practice, I got a lot of questions of like, where am I supposed to find someone like you in San Francisco? And then also people like around the country or in the world would be like, where can I find someone that did what you did? And so that was to help solve that problem. Um, health at business is another one. We're trying to help chiropractors, PTs, MDs, people in health service profession start scalable businesses so they can have a greater impact. Um, my own personal site, which I do a lot of stuff. We just launched a podcast and doing things there uh, and just always like tons more projects going on at once. But we were mentioning before the show, like I'm trying to strip away as much of that as possible. And I find like much better lifestyle when the focus is just on one thing. And so I think like maybe mid to end of last year, I I really, really focused. I'm like, okay, everything else is just going to be an autopilot. And so I set that up throughout the beginning of last year and then just been focusing kind of day to day work on 
basically a split between my own stuff and Perfect Keto, which is kind of the same thing in a, in a nutshell, which is like, you know, my work in nutrition and ketosis will help Perfect Keto and vice versa. And it's so like, those are kind of paired as one thing to mm. me right now. It's like one main project moving forward. And like the, the amount of energy invested into one thing, like you will see way more progress than like trying to go in 30 different directions. Have you done each one of those? Um, when you're building one of those, are you putting all of your energy into one thing and then outsourcing it and allowing that to go on cruise control? Or do you, are you actively dispersing your energy or awareness into seven different things each day? Yeah. So it's been kind of a hybrid model where some of these things I did launch and then just kind of set an autopilot and some of them were just main focus until it got to a certain point. Um, and then it's like beginning of last year and then the year before that. Um, so basically all of 2016, so beginning of 2016, I still had my clinic too, which was a whole other thing. And so mid 2016, I got out of uh, private practice. And from that point until like middle of last year, I was essentially doing active management of four companies a day and, but they, it would just change per day. And so like I would switch around my schedule. So some days it would be like, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I was doing just, just this company. And then Tuesday, Thursday, I was doing this one and in kind of that approach that didn't really work any like very well. So then I was just putting out fires when they came up and then I was doing a structured approach where I was doing like in the morning, I would do one in the afternoon, like nothing really worked. And so that's why I've been trimming it down. Cause like yeah. you just can't focus your attention when you spread that thin. And it was a big thing to me, like when I got out of private, private practice, there was just so many opportunities when I didn't have to spend my time day in and day out, like doing chart notes and billing insurance and, right. and, and like basically being at my clinic, literally there yeah, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. I was like, holy shit, there's like tons of opportunity and like things started to open up a lot. So it's kind of hard for me to say no at that time. And so I was just taking all these projects and now it's like, stripping that down and like only saying like waiting to say yes to like the most perfect opportunities yep. or investing in what's what's currently working like there's no need to try to have it all you know yeah. i have a very good thing going right now and like excellent team awesome life and like what the hell do i need to add on top of that like i have all the things that i need for like a really fulfilling life right now so like i don't need to take on any more projects Wanted to take a quick break and thank our sponsor, Organifi, for supporting the show. Organifi is a rad company. I utilize their superfood blends on a daily basis. Um, holding in my hands the green juice right now, filled with all the green powders your little heart could desire, from uh, wheatgrass to spirulina to chlorella to matcha. Really excellent stuff. Highly recommend checking them out. They also do protein blends that are vegan, as far as I can see. So the protein they're using in here is pea protein, quinoa protein, and pumpkin seed protein. Everything's organic. Everything's delicious. Highly recommend checking them out. So go Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com and utilize the Align code for 20% off. Organifi.com, Align code, A-L-I-G-N, 20% off. Get that stuff. Thank you guys so much for tuning in back to the show. Wow. Yeah. So what would a, do you do a schedule for yourself since you're the boss do you create your own like i have on my wall over here i have my little like down to the hour i don't follow it all the time yeah. but it is something that's nice to kind of come back to of like oh, okay it's 10 30 it's time to yeah. do a yoga thing or whatever it's like that's my slot for that or do you just kind of 
let the chips fall as they do each day. Yeah. So this is something where I do a very insane spreadsheet management of like my life where I review, I have a a big yearly goal list, um, breaking down by personal, um, like spiritual, personal fitness, personal relationships, all this different stuff. And then all my businesses. And then from that, I create little monthly reviews of like, okay, did you progress in this goal? Yes or no? Why not? And then from that, I have a little, little daily tracker that says like, okay, every day you should be doing these things. You should be reading and meditating and all that stuff. And so that way I know it's kind of a, a thing where I can see like, am I going in the right direction? Yes or no. Yeah. And then from that, like every month I do a big monthly review and, and that I, I evaluate what I did the last month as far as a schedule day to day and then see like where I need to make changes to get closer to my goals. Hmm. And so like I just did one on March 2nd and I wrote down, Okay, the last month in general looked like this on a daily basis. It looked like I always have my morning routine and my evening routine that stays pretty constant, but the middle of the day, I wrote, I wrote a big line. I wrote chaos. <laughs> like, okay, that, that's what February was. Um, for March, let's, let's do this, this, this. And so I have something kind of like what you have where it's more structured. And then I do that for kind of a weekly routine too, which works best for me. And But then it's like maybe by the end of March, who knows what will happen, but then I can review that again. Be like, okay, how did I stick to the March plan? And like, what is April going to look like? And so it's, it's the thing where I think always having a little bit of flexibility and being in flux helps me stay agile and like adapt to the environment right. because things are moving so quickly too that like, okay, we launched a podcast and we want to launch video channels and then we want to launch all this other stuff. And I have a book coming out and like all these different things change. I think the day-to-day structure faster than I anticipate. And so hmm. reviewing that stuff and like basically wiping the slate clean every month and be like, okay, where was this bullshit that I was, was hiding from? You know, what was I not doing and how do I create a better system so I can confront all the stuff and get the things that I want to say that I want to get done, done. And so doing that every month and just like ground up building everything up again, like scrapping essentially all of my thinking and all of my strategy every single month. It's like mm. n- never fun. Like it's just, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. And it's like, it, it, it makes me feel like I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I'm like, Perfect. okay, well last month was a complete waste of time. Like, <laughs> but like looking back doing that now for like two years, I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I've actually had significant growth across the board because I've done that. It's like the constant self-awareness and self-reflection that I don't know what I'm doing or what I'm talking about. And like trying to get incrementally better month over month and day over day, like 0.01%, like as long as I'm going the right direction, right. I found like keeping a system in place where as long as I'm heading that way, it's going to be all right. Mm. I think it's been like super. Are you taking notes throughout the day? Yeah. What, what do they look like? So we'll start with like my morning routine is very consistent. So I wake yeah. up, I do meditation. I do a little writing down in a journal, um, like so gratitude stuff and just anything that's on my mind that would be stressing me out. And then the day before the morning of, then I plan a little bit of kind of the big progress I want to get done. And then I do something creative. And so sometimes that looks like drawing or playing guitar or writing, you know, just for a little bit, I do a little bit of movement. So those are the, some of the things in the morning that before any work gets done, like just kind of me time. And I've noticed like when I don't do all of those things, like every piece that I miss, like my day becomes incrementally worse. Like my reactions become worse. And like, mm. so I just am pretty strict about that stuff. And then from that, I go into like a deep work project where no distractions. I like to keep my phone in airplane mode and don't even look at it until 
after that session. So it's like the morning routine is like 45 minutes to an hour and then one to two hours or whenever I get done with like one project. So right now I need to go through the second draft of my book and finish that. So it's been just writing, which has been painful. Like it's just awful. But like if I have, if I open my email at the same time, like I'm like, Oh, well, I'm going to write for the next hour and I open my email. I'm always going to choose the easier thing of email. Cause I can just like crank it out and get it done. Yeah. So like being deep in that moment and just doing that, and so like from when I wake up like six, six thirty to like maybe nine, nine thirty, like that's the, what that chunk looks like. And then it's looking at Slack and email and like getting my team what they need and like removing me as a bottleneck and then like doing triage work, seeing kind of checking back in with where the day is at, what else I need to get done that day. Um, so I have this big like to do management system. And so that's, I guess what my taking notes would be, would just be like reflecting on, okay, this in my daily sheet, I have like, okay, a meditation column, a movement column, uh, to two daily project columns and, um, a few other things that I track. And so as long as like, so that's like my taking notes, I would say. So as long as I'm getting like the two big projects a day done, um, some movement reading, um, meditation those like core things that that's like the, what kind of what keeps me on a day to day, like grounded. How about the self image stuff? You said that you had a lot of issues with that growing up. Yeah. Is that, is there any kind of recipe for starting to unwind? I think that, self -image yeah, stuff? I think that it's the like monthly and daily reflections have been huge because hmm. I think this, what a lot of times what happens with self image stuff and like self esteem issues is that they turn into really negative outward facing things. So like I project, project a lot of like judgment on other people when I was younger. And I, I f think that that was my way of coping with it. And so I think revisiting my own bullshit and like stripping that away makes me be more self-aware and more comfortable with who I am outwardly to other people. And so I think that <laughs> that is more so of, of dressing that, like I don't have any problems like with who I am right now, but I think that the kind of shell that I built for myself to protect myself when I was younger, like chipping away at that over the years has been the most effective way to actually address it. Mm. How does one chip away at it? What's, what's been some, yeah. So, so I think that just being aware and so that, um, music, anything that reduces ego, I think is, is big. So that includes meditation that includes different plant substances that includes which ones would you recommend um, not for other people, but for your yourself. Yeah. I think <laughs> or for a close dear friend yeah, for a friend. I, yeah. I, I've had some a friend, a close friend that has had great experience with very high doses of, uh, psilocybin. Mm. Um, and I think that they serve different purposes. So that'd be, I think more of an emotional connect connection piece. Yeah. And I've had some close friends also experiment with, um, things like LSD, which would help with reducing the amount of anxiety around com complex issues in the kind of strategy in life. And so like, if there's a million things to do, it's kind of like this defrag button, which <laughs> kind of lays everything out in which you can put things back together from the ground up. Right. Yeah. And so like, that's kind of like what my monthly review is. I'm not taking LSD every month, but like I, I tried to, to rip everything apart yeah. and like say, okay, here are all the pieces back, you know, on the floor. Like I put everything down. Like, okay, what makes sense in what order? And like, if I get this thing done, will it help that thing? And like, I kind of reevaluate that personally, like internally, personally, externally, and then throughout all my businesses every single month. And I think that, that having that awareness and like pushing that through has been like a huge, huge help for me 
being able to do as much as I'm doing currently. How would your hypothetical dear friend create set and setting for uh, an oh, introspective most, experience like most that? important thing, I think. So, yeah. yeah. I think that the intention of improvement and like just gratitude and like things that are good, I think is critical. So I think that looking at like life where you are is like, there's going to be good that comes from everything. It's like looking at it and having that perspective instead of like thinking things are wrong that you need to fix things. I think it's a huge mental setting that is critical for anybody who like any of my friends who would be into this type of stuff. Yeah. Would you? Um, and then having an ability to take notes and observe your thinking while the process is happening is super critical as well. How about audio dictation versus writing versus computing on a, you know, a keyboard? Yeah. Um, I find keyboard terrible personally yeah. if I'm in any type of altered altered state. Yeah, I have not experimented with keyboard. I think that technology and anything like that is obviously oh, antithetical. Airplane mode situation. is mandatory, but even, even with the airplane mode, like staring into that screen versus, and that's another thing, um, cognitive, cognitive function is shown to increase and creativity is shown to increase via actually putting uh, pen to paper, yeah. specifically with cursive writing or some of the studies that I've looked at with that. So you're actually engaging your brain in a different way. You yeah. know, so when you go, Ooh, and so some of the notes that, that, um, my, my my dear friend would would take during situations like that if you look at them they look like pictures mm. <laughs> you know so the words are like Whoa, like these big thing and i like you know dot 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 into infinity with like arrows or whatever but it's like that i mean whatever it doesn't need to be so ridiculous but that word as opposed to being inside that confines of just what you determine as being this is how i write sometimes it's okay to kind of allow that to bleed out into something bigger i think yeah. And you can kind of, you have that reference point of like, oh, this is maybe what's happening at a synaptic level as well. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of connections of ideas at that time. And I think that having a big open blank sketchbook with a bunch of different colored Sharpie pens hmm. to connect ideas <laughs> is something that is very, very useful. And like having it blank and no lines. You can't have lines. Yeah, lines are, lines are not no good. Well, even yeah. if I have lines or my hypothetical friend has lines, I'll still just blast through him. I don't give a shit. Yeah. He doesn't so, give a shit. Yeah. Can I, like, I think there's something magical about pen and paper. And like, that's what I use day to day to think as well, to help myself think through problems, is I have all these different colors of Sharpie pens, and I will write out things and connect them and like make big flow charts. And that helps clarify a lot of my thinking. Like, humans overestimate their ability to think things through in their head. Or maybe I, I just suck at doing it, but there's a lot of things that I do to like figure out a problem on my own is write it all down and like have this open sketchbook, this eight by 11 opened up where I can flip pages and like create all these diagrams and like think through problems and like what would be best I think is critical for like actually maintaining all these thoughts at one time. So like mm. there's 30 different things you have to do, but you can't just order that in your head. Like it, it's hard enough to just focus on one task you know, like if you've ever tried meditation, you, you see how many thoughts go through your head at once. Yeah. And so if you can like one by one lock on a piece of paper and then think of how to connect them together, I think that's a really good strategy of like problem solving that people just don't do anymore because they're trying to manage their life through devices. I've heard, I think like we go through like 5,000 different random thoughts a day or something like that. Yeah, whatever. Um, 
Scrivener is a program that I've been using for a bit for writing. Are you familiar with that at all? I've heard. I've heard good things. It's, it's cool. Uh, so what it, what it allows you to do is it allows you to, as opposed to like a pages document, you know, and where you look at all the different files, you have to pull it up. You're able to just, it creates a little glossary or table of contents and each one of those individual files, you just click on it and boof, it, it opens right up to it. Mm. I wonder, do you do that, something like that with your note taking? Like, have you ever used index cards as opposed, as opposed to one big, piece so you can kind of move index cards around no i've heard i've heard of people doing this we're like what was i reading lately um i don't know what it was it was some some book where someone was saying like when they used to organize things it would be they would oh uh john mcphee was draft number four it was like how john mcphee is a prolific writer writes and like organizes ideas and mm. so the structure of a book like he would have all these ideas of what he wanted to put in a book. He would write them all down on note cards over a course of like a month or two yeah. and just like throw them all over the floor and be like, okay, you, you could theoretically arrange things this way or that way. Like how does it make sense? And just be able to move it all around. So like I, ha I have not done that, but it's something that I'm thinking about experimenting with. Yeah. Robert Greene does the same thing. Okay. He's like old school with it. So it's, it's, he has this huge binder of, of little index cards and then yeah, same, same difference. How the psychedelics or how is plant medicine? How is some of that stuff? Um, have you read Stealing Fire? Jamie yeah. Wheel, yeah. Steam Color. Highly recommend people checking that stuff out. Yeah, you know, and getting it's just normalizing that conversation that it's, you know, it's something that's been used as a tool for thousands of years. A lot of religion is very likely founded around people experimenting with some of this stuff. Um, have you, and that could be potentially contentious as well. You know, so it's worth worth exploring. Have you seen? distinct impact, tangible impact, like before, after a session of some sort, like the next day, the next week, like, oh, wow, I've thoughts image has changed. Or is it more of like a, a month later, six months later, gradual type shift? Or have you had like a wake up the next day? Like, wow, I'm a completely different person. Yeah, both. Oh, good. I think both. So I th it, in the beginning, much more so the kind of big, like next day, like, oh shit, like, I've been doing all these awful things and I should change it as a person this way, or like I see the world differently in a very positive way. Um, as well as like six months later, I was like, Oh, this huge thing changed in my life. And it was from this point and this, like th this realization or like this shift in mentality yeah. that led to the abundance that's happening now. It's like, there's been a lot of that kind of combined, like at the, at the moment as well as on reflection, positive changes. Mm. Sidetrack. When we were talking about the ketosis stuff, I had a question. Then we got into the, the other things. Uh, with athletics, is there any type of recipe that you would spell for people if someone, say, they're a weightlifter versus an endurance athlete versus fill in the blank for like a ketosis recipe? Or is there sometimes where ketosis is not the way to go? I apologize for the abrupt transition. No, no, this is great. Well, so I think that a ketogenic diet works best for people who are doing more endurance stuff. So like, again, spectrum. So like you have somebody who's doing explode, like maybe Olympic weightlifting on one end and a triathlon on the other, like an ultra marathon on the other. And people at the far end of the ultra marathon spectrum would benefit more than the person from the strength side would. Hmm. And so again, not an all or nothing type of situation. And then in the middle, you probably have some people. So one end, the strength lifting is probably carbohydrates and the other one is ketones. And then in the middle, you probably have some people that are going to benefit from both. And so what that looks like is some exogenous ketone supplementation on top of a carbohydrate diet. And so again, a very blended across a long period of things. So the more aerobic something is, the better a ketogenic diet will be as a tool 
tool to help performance right. in that aspect. Yeah. How about inflammation in relation to, to diet or, or ketosis, for example? Is that something that you're, I know that's something you've looked into. Yeah. Is, is that uh, something we can be thinking about? And specific depression, I think it's fascinating where it's like brain inflammation is associated with depression. And so we can look at all these different things being various stressors create inflammation. One of the stressors could is nutrition. Right. Well, I mean, the, so we're starting to discover all the pathways in which a ketogenic diet works to decrease inflammation. So one of them is a, it's an HDAC1 inhibitor. So there, there's histones in your DNA and those are inhibited. And so you're reducing inflammation in that way. Um, there's another one, there's a certain inflammasome. So I'm going to get too crazy about it, but there's an NR, NLRP3 inflammasome that's, that also is modulated with a ketogenic diet. It's like, there's all these different pathways where it seems that it's working out independently, which is super fascinating. So it's not just one reason. So like a lot of times in nutrition, we, we are very reductionist and we think like, okay, it's this one way that this is working. And so what we're finding is that there's, there's multiple avenues in which ketones or the, the breakdowns of fat for fuel are being used to reduce inflammation mm. and brain inflammation as well. So it's like, if you look at the metabolism and how a ketone goes through your bloodstream and then into mitochondria and to be used and metabolized for energy, it's kind of like a cleaner fuel than a carbohydrate. So you have less free radicals and less re reactive oxidative species overall. You think about how many times your body's turning that system over, over the course of years, billions, trillions, like, Trillions of trillions of times. And so even a tiny, tiny little bit, if it's optimized a little bit more, if you're going to have less of that over a long period of time, it's going to be very helpful. Mm. And so that's why I argue like if eat carbohydrates in general, if activity warrants it, but if not, like there's, there's not really a good reason to do so from a long-term perspective. Everyone's going to be individual. There's going to be outliers here that some people just don't respond well to it due to genetics or due to whatever reason or due to their microbiome or history with food. And so if that's the case, then yeah, it doesn't work for you. But in, in general, it works to have carbohydrates lower until they're needed for activity. And it doesn't need to be a full crazy ketogenic diet, but I think like having it under hundred grams for sure, like nobody walking around needs more than hundred grams of carbohydrates a day. Yeah, for sure. I was reading this morning about how meditation impacts your genetic expression for um, inflammation. And so just a little bit of mindfulness meditation, like a few minutes, will actually have a genetic shift and uh, cause the genes that would be creating inflammation in your body to to change their expression, downregulate, yeah. sh shift the way that they, they create proteins. Uh, just for a few minutes, yeah. you know, having that little check-in and having a little relaxation. I wonder to link that back to, to something like ketosis would being in a, a more relaxed or would being in a, a ketotic state, do you feel like that affects benefits? Something like a meditation? Hmm. Is there a link there where if you're not scrambled up by carbs and shit, all of a sudden it's like, it's hard to center yourself. Right. So that, so we look at meditation, like what its effects are. It's like a lot of decreasing cortisol and stress hormones and things like this. So you, like you actually reduce that stuff. So like that is spiked up with carbohydrate intake right. and with insulin secretion. And so, I mean, that could be a, an interesting, I, I never thought about the ketogenic diet as an effect on meditation or like yeah. amplifying the effects. Like we talked about earlier, like usually these things in health are like a stacked outcome, right? It's like the more things you can get at once, the better you're going to have, right? So 
probably they, they work synergistically, but I, yeah, it's a good, really good question. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I have the, the tendency to, I think we can become dogmatic with so many things and, and the, you know, I think that's, that's healthy and it's healthy to, to kind of dip your feet into all the various different dogmas and pull out what you can, mm -hmm. but not become completely married to any one because there's probably value in another dogma right next door, right. you know, but that's I, my, my sense is that all of these different dogmas, they're all kind of knocking at the same the same kind of message. And so if you can be decreasing that inflammation through something like a meditation, it probably, I don't think they probably pair off really well. I'd imagine yeah. Cog cognitive function. That's something that's a big one with, with, uh, ketosis. Can right. we get into that a little bit? Yeah. Just so, the effects. so it's, it's basically, it's very demanding for, so when you eat carbohydrates, like I was saying before, your body doesn't like to keep that in your bloodstream. So it says, okay, Stuff's very damaging. Let's get it out now. And so it will go to fill up in your liver and store as glycogen or in your muscles and store as glycogen. If you've used those sources up, if not, I'll go, okay, let's turn it into fat and get it out of here immediately. And what's kind of left over, it shuttles to your brain for your brain to be used. Like this is a very inefficient process. And then your brain uses it up and it goes, okay, we need more. What's going on? And so that's why you get hungry. You had these energy crashes 60, 90 minutes after a carbohydrate rich meal. Mm. It's because your body uses it and it stores it and gets out of your bloodstream. And then it's like, okay, well we need more because that's what we're using right now is fuel. And so then you need to stoke the fire again. And so it's kind of like the an analogy has been made um, by a bunch of people. So I don't know who to attribute this to, but like if you were to be surviving in a fire, like using kindling and twigs to keep it, burning is like eating carbohydrates. Right. And so you always have to be throwing that on the fire. Always, always, always. And so then you always have to be, you, your energy levels will go up and then down and then up and then down and then up and then down. So especially for your brain, cause your brain can only really soak up stuff that's floating around in your bloodstream. And you only have like five grams of glucose floating in your, in your bloodstream at any given time. And so, I mean, think about what an average carbohydrate rich meal is, right? 20, 30, 40, 50, hundred plus grams. Sure. And so you spike that way up, your body soaks it up, puts it somewhere and then goes back down. Then you do that again and again and again. And so the advantage with running and ketones and fat is that your body can just, whenever it wants, be like, Oh, well we need some energy. Let's just take it from the fat cell. And like, that's a, a very easy pathway to go through rather than to liberate it from stored, like your stored carbohydrates, like you, you will break down muscle tissue or you'll use it from your liver. And that is a very energetically demanding thing. Your body does not want to get rid of muscle tissue because it's very expensive to, to build muscle tissue in the first place. Right. So it tries to preserve it, but if it needs to, it will use it. But fat's super easy to access when you're running on ketones. And so your body can have this sustained fuel to your brain at all times. So for example, going back to the fire here, it would be like putting a huge log on and having this energy source for a long period of time without having to have this constant restoking of the fire. And so your body can just use the energy whenever the hell it wants, which is if you're doing um, mentally demanding things, which is all the time. Right. It's like, that's where I've noticed a huge benefit. And that's why I use it in general too. Like obviously inflammation stuff and, and things like that are great, but I noticed the most drastic benefit and from a mental performance standpoint and frankly, not having to eat as much is super convenient for me because I do like to do other things. I, like I love my work and I love to be focused for a long period of time. Hmm. And if I get super hungry and have to eat every two hours, it's just a distraction to me. And so I look at food primarily as fuel throughout the day. And then if I want to at night or whatever, or like enjoy food socially and like have that benefit from food, I'll do that. But I don't think every meal needs to be this like most pleasure experience that 
also like incorporates cooking and friends and family. Like, I, I understand that like, there's functions to meals and to eating <laughs> other than just getting fuel, but that's how I treat it throughout the day. So that I can just get on with my day and do the things that I want to be doing. And so removing the distraction and fueling my brain constantly with fat is, is like a game changer for me. Like I will be able to work like crazy and, and be creative and do all this stuff and have this high output from 6 a.m. to 2 without eating, which is impossible if you're, if you're running on carbohydrates. Yeah. And then so after that, I do some workout and then I have a big meal and then like a salad or a, a smoothie or something like that. Very, very high in fat. And then after that, like I'll, I'll work again or do whatever else I'm going to do. I'm like meetings, hang out. And then I have like a, you know, a nice meal where I like to cook or, or do stuff like that. And then get those other benefits from, from eating at that point. Yeah. So that's how I kind of think about using it for mental performance and as a tool throughout the day and then after like a, at nighttime use it as a, more of like a social experience thing that was one of the biggest things that i saw with with experimenting with fasting was the sensation or awareness that uh, so much of my eating was just habit mm-hmm. you know so the feeling like oh i need to eat right now that's just a story that i've been telling myself for the last x amount of years right. and all of a sudden you it takes a few days to get past that point but then it's like i actually started having a lot of judgment for eaters <laughs> Oh my God. Sounds like a good blog name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, um, uh, we, should, we should wrap this thing up pretty soon. I, is there been any study around maybe ketosis isn't for everybody? You know, so say you're like of Polynesian descent and you grow up around tropical fruit. Is right. there people that it's like, oh, actually, you know, it's more of like a location dependent type thing. Yeah. I don't think there's been any, any specific things pointing to like specific cultures or anything like that saying, showing that it's been bad. Yeah. Um, but I, like I, like I said before, like it probably could be less tolerated by people. That's why you need to be doing a lot of testing yourself, seeing how you feel first and foremost, subjectively, and then objectively looking at data through your blood and blood markers. And so some people just, whether it's genetics or not, like lack certain enzymes to, to use fat as a fuel appropriately. And so you'll see that reflect in certain blood tests. So if you get like a, what's called an NMR, uh, bl- uh, lipid panel, so it breaks down your LDL into different particles. And so you can see like small, dense LDL in people who can't process things will be very, very high or like, uh, uh LP little a is another one, lipoprotein little a, um, that you can get done as a blood test. So you just track it over time. And so if you see these things maybe changing, but everything else calms down again, it's like, well, do you want everything to be a crazy bonfire and have this, this one marker not changed? Or do you want them, you know, like looking at things as a whole, I guess is a, is a big picture through blood work. I think is super smart too. Whenever you're doing any huge dietary changes. And then after you get into it and like you, you notice some good trends, well then you can say like, okay, this is probably gonna be something that works for me over the long run or doesn't. Yeah. But I don't think it's necessary for everybody to do. I'm sure there are tons of people who it doesn't work well for. Like I would never say it's a, it's something that everybody should do all the time. Yeah. You know, just got to test yourself, man. Cool. How do people learn more about you and find out the stuff and jump over to the other podcast? Do not, We're gonna go. Do not look up anything on the internet. It's all fake. It's fake all lies. It's all, it's all lies. <laughs> no, I'm most active on Instagram, so it's just dr Anthony Gustin, and then same thing on the website. And then the company that I mentioned was that I'm focusing most on now is Perfect Keto. So perfectketo.com. Cool. I'm excited to keep on utilizing the Perfect Keto. I was uh, out with the Onyx guys and Kyle Kingsbury specifically. Hopefully he's, he's tuning in. He's all hot and bothered about this stuff and super jazzed up on the Perfect Keto for like a week. Awesome. Felt fantastic. Great, man. Good times. All right. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it.
Appreciate you. We're gonna go over and keep on keep on talking. God, I'm just we're we're killing the time stuff. That was 58 minutes. Perfect. Boom. Should we uh, de-record? Yeah. And I'm gonna go to the bathroom quick. Align podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Some ways that you can support this podcast. One of which you can pick up an Align band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band. Comes along with a door anchor and a carrying case and a video guide on how to mobilize those joints and integrate that body of yours. Really great stuff. You can be found on AlignTherapy.com and also on Amazon.com. Thank you also so much for utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the right-hand sidebar of the podcast page. Bookmark that thing. Anytime you purchase some crap on Amazon, purchase that crap. Through that link, we get a percentage of it. costs you nothing. And... I think that's enough. Thank you guys so much for reviews on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Pow.